This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hi, welcome to a special episode of I Used to Watch This. Uh, this is a special interview with uh, Paul LaGreca. Uh, we uh, kind of got to know him in a way through uh, Night Rider. Epi- uh, it was the episode uh, Silent Night, the Christmas episode. He played Tino. Um, you know, Mike had reached out to him and he contacted us back. He has a memoir out uh, now called uh, The Boy Behind the China Cabinet. And, uh, you know, we get to have a nice conversation with him about Knight Rider, uh, Airwolf, uh, Peter Falk, uh, Alan Arkin, um, uh, religion, and Mother Teresa, and a little bit of everything. So it was really a fun time. Uh, he was uh, very gracious to, uh, to let us talk to him. So uh, check it out. Enjoy. And uh, look in the show notes for all the links to his book and uh, all his different contact information. I think you'll enjoy it. Thanks. Okay, and uh, we have a special celebrity guest with us, Mike. Uh, right? Uh, we have uh, Paul LaGreca from... We know him from Knight Rider. He was Tino in Silent Night. Um, Mike reached out to him pretty much right after I think we did that episode, and he was gracious enough to come back and respond to us. And, and also, I want to say, he gave us a nice review on uh, Apple, which is beyond what we expected but also he has a, a hey, memoir yeah. coming out uh called the boy behind the china cabinet uh it's available uh for pre-sale or sale now depending when we put this out <laughs> but uh uh go ahead and look for it on amazon and uh it's you know good read for anyone who likes uh tv but also just overall to learn about his life so paul thank you for coming on our show Thanks, um, guy. and uh Mike, go ahead and take off. You can start us off with <laughs> how you want to start this. Yeah, sure. So, so Paul, I, I, I read your book uh, in, in two nights. So I waited till you know everyone Friday. went to bed. <laughs> went to bed, and I, I pretty much plowed plowed through it in two nights. It it was fascinating, and I'll say, I, I didn't realize that you had a religious interest. Um, yeah. I hadn't hadn't previously read that about you. And, yeah. And to 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 read that and how like deeply involved you got in religion. And uh, I mean, it's almost like you had two callings, right? I mean, it was like, yeah. Um, you know, some people are lucky to figure out one. Um, you, you actually found two. So like, tell me a little bit about that. Was that, was that, is that a struggle? How, how were you able to, you know, with that? The funny thing is my whole life, even as a little boy, as you've probably read in the book, I mean, I've always had this this creative energy that came out of me and it expresses itself, you know, whether it's painting or writing or acting or singing or dancing. It's just it's it's kind of odd. And, um, you know, I had a, a religious experience as a little boy in church, <laughs> which is in the book. But, you know, ever since that moment when I had that religious experience, I've always struggled between the two things, between do I give my life to God and become a priest or do I, you know, just become an actor and stay in Hollywood and do great. And I'm, I'm one of those people that I believe in, you know, if I start something and I put my hands on it, um, I make sure that it, I try to make it turn to gold. Right. So if I'm going to do religion and I'm a bit of an extremist, you know, when I got to Hollywood and I struggled between this left and this right and this good and this bad and all the, you know, I got to this point of disgust because I didn't like a lot of what I was experiencing. 
and I came home to give myself a break because a lot was happening too fast. And rather than stay there and start, quote unquote, giving in to the things that a lot of people give into, um, I gave in to my pop. <laughs> and he took me to meet Mother Teresa's sisters in the Bronx. He was volunteering there. It ended up that I met Mother Teresa, believe it or not. And uh, Mother Teresa invited me to come and see their life. And I did. And, um, and it changed my life in that I gave up my acting. I put... A period at the end of the sentence, I sold all my possessions, and I went and uh, I became a missionary of charity for uh, for about one year. Yeah, and if yes, in answer to your question, it's been a struggle, and it still is. It still pops up every now and then, you know. Right. So, right. Yeah, I'm so sure. And I, you know, and I did the one part where you're talking about with that struggle. It, 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 I never really thought about it until I read it in your book. You're talking about. You know, kind of like the highs and lows of Hollywood, right? You get that job, and you're like, "Oh, yeah. great! This is a great! I got a guest star spot." And then yeah. you're done, and you're like, "Well, now what?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I can see how that can be a struggle for everyone, and how people do get in trouble, I guess, in Hollywood because of you that, do. especially younger. Easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, after like after Night Rider, you know, you are driven to the set. You have somebody coddling over you. You have somebody making sure you're eating. They're brushing your hair. They're fixing your collar. They're hugging you. They're telling you you're great. All these things, you know, and you're an out-of-work actor. You finally get a gig, and then you cut on the last day. You go back home, and you're like, where is everybody? And if you don't, if you don't have <laughs> the emotional intelligence to deal with that properly, it's easy to numb yourself. And a lot of people fall into uh, drugs and booze and, you know, that, and that's just one tiny little ingredient that can bring you down that road. But, but yeah, it, it can be, it could be lonely. Oh, I'm sure. And, 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 and you walk, you walk out of that experience, right? And, you know, you're still a, a you're kind of like still a struggling artist. Yeah. So you walk back to normal life, which isn't, you know, you know, it's yeah. not the life of the big stars because you know you're just you're just getting started right. and yeah. you're treated like that and then have to go back and get your day job again right that's uh to go back tough. i'll tell you this little story remember colombo the tv series <laughs> that's one of our that's favorites. one of my favorites yes okay well, peter and i were very good friends because we did a movie together called big trouble right i saw that and yes i yeah. still hadn't sustained myself enough to you know, have a million dollars yet in the bank where I could go three months without work, right? So I went back to my day job, which was working for Dino De Laurentiis at his big Beverly Hills restaurant, and and you can buy, like, hot food to take out, you know, and I tried to stay hidden as much as I could because I knew people from the studios. And then in comes Peter Falk, and he sees me. And you know what? It's just all about pride, man. You know, I was like, got to let the pride down. And he was so cool about it. Him and his wife, I think it was Shari at the time. They were such beautiful people. But that was a real humiliation for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I, that's, I mean, so, um, yeah, because that was what? Was that like a year or two after Night Rider you filmed that? Is that right? That was, that was a, yeah, about two years after Night Rider. Yeah. yeah. So you went from Night Rider, which we'll get into in a minute. You know, you had a big spot in that, which we definitely have to talk about because that whole story about how you got that is awesome. 
But then, yeah. then you went and I saw, I'm like, wait, he did a movie with Peter Falk, which, again, Columbo is one of my favorite shows. You could ask my wife. I watch it every time it's on. Yeah. And she's like, you're watching this again? I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> but that, you had Alan Arkin in there. You had, uh, what, Beverly D'Angelo in there? And, Paul Stern, Robert Stack. Robert Ro- oh, yeah, Robert Stack. Robert Stack. Yeah. yeah. And now, yeah. I, I haven't seen that one. I did see The In Laws. Um, yeah. with them, and I, that movie is <laughs> fantastic. Which I do have to go this find this movie now. I know it's kind of a cult classic now. You said, but yeah. I, I mean, yeah. what was that like working with you know all those great people? I mean, and, and you were what 21, 22 at this point? Uh, I think it was twenty three. Twenty three. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, but first of all, when you're walking on a set, and uh, you know, when you're sitting on the lawn waiting to shoot your scene next to Beverly D'Angelo, you know. <laughs> She asks you to babysit her cats while she goes to the bathroom. <laughs> this was the reality at the time, and um, I was part of it. And you know, to to have lunch with Charles Durning and uh, Alan Arkin to the left of me, and across the table is Robert Stack. It was two things. It was a joy, and it made me really happy. And number two was I had to be on my game. When you have John Cassavetes as a director, oh, that's right, yes. It's, it's, it's the work. It's all about the work and you can have all the fun you want, but he's looking for the magic all the time. And if you're not giving it to him, um, it, it could be kind of scary. You know, I, I had incidents where like I'd walk on the set and I'd hear him screaming at one of the actors saying, what are you doing? This isn't a soap opera, you know, and, and it scared me. I'm like, Oh God, when I do my scene, I just better be focused and on and thank god i don't have to be funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and I, I did note that you uh said in this particular for this by the time you came on they had already changed directors and he had taken over so that was already kind right. of a, a yeah. tough set by the time yeah, you already like, got there yeah. so that a little extra stress for you i would assume it was it was <clears throat> and it and seems again, like i want to add like go ahead just just you know, stepping back to the whole, like, you know, you, it's, it's not like your parents, your parents were not famous celebrities, right? They weren't like, you know, okay, now you're born into the industry. Welcome. It was, you know, it was Jack, it was Jack the butcher and Gloria the housewife. <laughs> right. So, I mean, you know, the, the, the circumstances that got you, you know, got you your, your roles or, I mean, it, it was you, it was all you. It wasn't, you know, you didn't yeah. have parents opening doors for you. No. It was you know, the right things happening, you doing the right things at the right time. And, yep. yeah, that sense of, you know, getting on the set and seeing the director yelling at somebody. I, <laughs> I mean, I get nervous just hearing you talk about it. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, that would be very, very tough to, to yeah. perform under the circumstances. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But, but you do it. But you do it. You get on there and you're a pro and you tighten your gut. And you have to have a tough skin in Hollywood. You have to. If you don't have a tough skin, they will eat you up. If, yeah. if they say, we're going to do it again, and this is how I want it this time, you better be able to deliver. That's why a lot of people, you know, especially like these young um, kids that all want to get on reality TV and everything like that and then make it to the big time. You know, part of our training is you're, when you do your non-union work before you get union, 
you're learning about camera angles. You're learning how to position yourself. You're learning your craft. You are learning how to conjure certain emotions before a scene. You're, you're, you're learning what to do. And when you're on a set like that with the Casavetes and a fog, you have to, at any moment, be able to give them what they're looking for. And if you don't, like look at Woody, Woody Allen, he'll fire you on the first day if he thinks it's not working. Yeah. Actors are <laughs> yeah. to working with him. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so but just real quick, I just uh, have to, you know, again, Peter Falk, I mean, what was he, I mean, was he just, <laughs> did he, he yeah. just seems like, he just seems like, you know, you being a younger man at that point, especially younger, also Italian man with it, he'd just be like, hey, come over here, we're going to, you know, yeah. not that he would like have you sit on his lap because you're probably bigger than him, but, <laughs> you know, just like, hey, we, I'm going to sit you down, I'm going to tell you how it is. It's just, I don't know, it seems like something like that would happen with him, but I could be well, wrong. He was very, um, he was very, hey, Paulie, come here, why didn't you go <laughs> He actually did this, okay? And I I kind of allude to it in my book a little bit, but it upset me when I shot my last scene in Big Trouble because Peter was like, get on the piano and act like, you know, Little Richard. So oh, yeah. I was yeah. around and I started acting like a complete idiot at the piano. Now, I had spent weeks and weeks learning where my hand positions had to be. How do you sit like a, a concert pianist? You know, you know, what is, what do I bring to this role as somebody who is inhabiting that character? And Peter goes, Johnny, Johnny, to Casavetes, they were best friends. He goes, John, you got to see this. Look, look at what he's doing at the gym. John goes, that's fantastic. Keep it in. Let's do it that way. And I'm like, what the hell? Come on. You're going to make me look like an idiot. Because these two guys, my brothers were doing their role straight up. And then here I was, you know, and then I cut back intentionally during the shot. As you, you know, I just moved yeah, my shoulders yeah. a little, and that's it. I stuck. You know, I I, I tried to be as, and they, they didn't they didn't even remember, so it worked for me. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. They already forgot story, about it. Sorry. Yeah, because you were supposed yeah. to be triplets in that, right? Is that right? We were triplets who couldn't get into Yale because Dad couldn't afford it. Oh yeah, it. that's so he right. Comes up with the plot with Peter Falk and Beverly D'Angelo. Yeah. But my big joy in that movie was Valerie Curtin. She played Vera in the movie. Alice doesn't live here anymore. She played oh, okay, a Judy yeah. on the TV series Nine to Five. But working with Valerie as my mother, Valerie's just an unbelievable human being, and uh, I loved, you know, I loved everything about it. Really, that's good. Well, I, a, I'm on yeah, and it sounds like from you know what I've read that your on set stuff, you be you had a seemingly good time with everything you didn't really seem to have many trouble i mean obviously there's gonna be some troubles because there always is right it's a job right but yeah. it seems like overall that really wasn't any type of your problem or not i shouldn't yeah. say problem but what drove you know what kind of guided you yeah. then to leave you know the work the work i loved i loved every minute about it giving them what they wanted you know look making a tv show or a movie is a nerve-wracking experience first of all Am I making good? Do the producers like me? Do the directors like me? Are my lines on? Um, every time they say cut because of you, you're costing that studio money. You know, a night writer, I had <laughs> I had 15 takes <laughs> on my shot. <laughs> and I was dying. I was sweating. I just couldn't get the shot right. Finally, I did. But but there are some directors, man, that they will... It's, it's, a, it's a harrowing experience on your nervous system. So, yeah. however... You love it so much that it doesn't matter. And those aren't the things that push you out of town because that's the work. It's what happens a lot of times, you know, outside of 
outside of the set and you know some of the things you see in here and the conversations you have and my problem was I think I got involved you know I opened myself up to quote unquote the Hollywood lifestyle and um, I saw things I didn't really want to see you know? right right so maybe let's maybe uh, step back we'll we'll talk a little bit about Night Rider the Night Rider experience and and what got you there um, so maybe. Uh, so yeah, just start just start with that. Let's talk about you know where you're you're you know you were at the uh, I think it was the Universal is it Universal yeah. office and you were on your yeah. way out. I had just done a, a thing called Erotic Images with Britt Eklund, so I had one tiny little worthwhile credit in town under my belt, <laughs> and um, I get to to the we, we we had what was called casting bungalows back. So all the casting directors had a little bungalow at Universal, and it was across the street from the main studio. It's all knocked down now. They just built a, a huge condo there. Um, at any rate, I go in there to audition for the pilot of a TV series called Airwolf, and I had to play this Arabian kid. Now, it wasn't an extra role. They called it a non-speaking featured role, which basically means I was going to get a great SAG salary for a couple of days' work. Fine by me. So Donna Dockstetter, the casting director, told me to get up against the wall. She points a gun at me. Toy gun. <laughs> I'm going to shoot you, and I want you to react as honestly as you can to being shot. And, you know, I did it for her. She was, let's do it again. She had kind of a grin on. I wasn't sure if I was making good, but I, I think I was as honest as could be. She goes, all right, thanks a lot. You did great. I'm walking down the hall out of the bungalow, and I see somebody tearing up at their desk. It was the receptionist. And I and I stopped and I said, Are you okay? I, I want to give too much too much away because it's in the book. Yeah. But right. I do I do, <laughs> I do I do sit I do sit with her for a while and I offered her, you know, a piece of my heart at the moment. I felt bad for her for what she was going through. And a casting director by the name of Mel Johnson spotted me and said, Excuse me and I said, Uh oh, I guess I shouldn't be hanging out. I better get going. He goes, no, 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 don't go. He goes, uh, I'm Mel Johnson. I'm one of the casting directors here. It's really, really odd, but we just lost the guy that's going to play the guest starring role in Knight Rider. He's got the flu, and you kind of look just like the guy. It's really weird. Are you an actor? I said, yeah, I just read for Donna, Dockstetter. And he said, can you, can you just wait right here? Well, to make a long story short, he tells April Webster, who was the casting director of Knight Rider at the time, about me. And he escorts me back to meet her, and uh, she gives me a trial run. She goes, I can't believe this. This is like fate. I said, well, you like fate? I like fate. This is, this is <laughs> So um, she goes, you read great. She goes, I'm very impressed. This is a, she goes, this is a guest starring role. Now, for you guys that don't know what that means, there's an extra, which you know what that is. Then there was, back then, there was featured billing, which was... Something significant, but not an extra. You got paid. Then there was co-star, which meant you had a couple of lines in the episode. It wasn't anything big. Then you had the guest spot. The guest spot meant you had enough experience behind you that you have to, I have to own that show. You know, I have to be able, I'm in every, just about every scene. I have to be able to what's called carry it. And she looked at me and she said, kid, are you going to be able to carry this? He said, don't worry, I promise you. I know I've got this in me. You know, I, I resonate with Tino. Just give me the chance. She said, all right, come back tonight. 
to Glenn Larson's office on the lot. And I'm going to call Flo as my agent. I'm going to call Flo right now. And um, we'll talk. I know Flo very well. So it, it ended up that I, you know, I went back to Glenn's office that night. I read. I went home. By the time I walked in the door, the phone was ringing. And I got the night right spot, which yeah. was... It was bizarre. Yeah, that's, that's the incredible story. So, what, <laughs> if you can, you know, if you can a little bit, what was so we've done several shows from Glenn Larson because you know back yeah. in the eighties he did not everything, but it was like between him, Stephen J. Cannell, uh, yeah. Belisario, which you mentioned. I mean, they did like um, all the yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what, yeah. I mean, what was he like? Was he you know down to earth guy? Was he kind of aloof? Was no, I'll, I'll describe him. He was um he was something you would see out of a Hollywood movie. I mean, like, <laughs> he had, the, I think, if I remember correctly, he had the cigar, you know, the chomping into it. He had a cocktail. He was dressed to the nines. He was eloquent. He had on jewelry. You know, it was very, uh, very producer. Hey, kid, have a seat, kid. <laughs> you know, very much that with me. And, uh, you know, every, you know, Chino's a wise ass. So oh, every right. time I came Every time I had a, a wisecrack, you know, he'd be like, you know, uh, <laughs> and I think it was because, it was because of the, the New York kid in me. He, this was not one of the little like L.A. kids coming right. in who came from, you know, I want to be an actor and I could be a tough guy. You know, I was raised with a bunch of brothers that beat the shit out of me every day. You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, I was ready for Tino. Tino was in me, you know, and I believe that actors that get parts, you know, you get the part because. There's an element of truth in you that is exactly a match to the character. And so uh, Tina was a little lost. Tina was a little beaten up. Tina was, you know, and, and he loved it. We resonated. The director, Bruce Kessler, was in the room at the time, and he threw an adjustment at me, just I think just to make sure that I could handle direction. And, uh, yeah, did good. You got to do good in this town, kid. <laughs> That's great, <laughs> and you know you mentioned you mentioned like you know you, you had you have to be able to carry carry the show right for you have to yeah. carry that episode and I mean that episode was about Tino it was about you I mean it, yeah. it was you know I the focus was Tino and yeah. I can see yeah that's you know a lot of pressure for your first you know first real yeah. TV show big right there and, um, and and you know what happened on my first hour. I, well, I do. Uh, we we know about it, but why don't you go ahead and explain that? It's 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 uh, it's in the book, but it's also on IMDb, so you can go ahead and tell this one. So it's already out there. It is on IMDb. Somebody put it in trivia. I got I got to the set, and the first freaking shot they give us is the back seat of the of the of the criminal's car, and in the back seat of the car, my lines were, "Let me out of this car. I'm going to be sick." Tina was lying because he was trying to escape being abducted. You said, first of all, it was about 90 degrees, 95 degrees. I was in a corduroy jacket. It was Covina. The windows of the car had to be up. It was the first shot of the day. I had a cup of coffee in me. I had an apple in me, all that acid. You say, and I'm in character, and you say the lines, let me out. I'm going to throw up. I'm going to be sick. I'm not kidding. I'm going to be sick. Even just saying it now. You say that over and over and over again. Your right side of the brain creatively doesn't know the difference between the truth or not. So it, as an actor, when you're immersed, I convinced myself that I was going to throw up. And I said, 
in the middle of the shot. I'm not kidding. I'm really going to throw up. And, they, and, they, and the guys looked at me, and I opened the window, and I juked. And I opened the car, and I ran into the, to the bushes, and I juked. And Bruce comes over. He goes, hey, kid, you got the flu. Listen, the other, the other kid had it, too. We could replace you now. I'm like, no, no, no. Don't replace me. It was the stupid lines. <clears throat> you gave me that line too early. I, I, he goes, no method acting on my set. <laughs> <laughs> this is Knight Rider. We don't do method acting on Knight Rider. That's right. No kidding, right? So uh, I said, please, I promise you, I just need to get away from the scene, and I'll be fine. I went to my trailer. They made me sleep. David Hasselhoff knocks on my door. And I open it. I go, yeah. He goes, hey, kid, I heard you got sick. He goes, Here's a couple of little pink ladies that help you settle your stomach. They were Pepto-Bismol tablets. I said, thank you, David. I took them, and I was ready for the next shot. And the next shot, you could see that I'm as white as a ghost, but I got better as the day went on. So. That's awesome. <laughs> How cool is that? David Hasselhoff knocking on your door. David was, David was <laughs> awesome. You know, he was the nice, one of the nicest guys I've ever worked with. Such a, yeah. a kind, he was kind-hearted and extremely sensitive. You know, yeah. really sensitive guy like, uh, you know, he, he listened and he took things to heart and he it was his show and he wanted it to be damn good, you know, and he he valued it. You know, it was his baby. Yeah. 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 And, and we kind of knew, I mean, you know, we don't we never we never talked to David Hasselhoff, but we know some of the behind the scenes stuff, like when they replaced um, uh Bonnie with April and the character, and then he he was one of the guys that basically got Bonnie to come back, the actress to come back, because he was yeah he forced that to happen. I think he really wanted her back, so I could see how he would be that way, especially for yeah, yeah. you know young actors starting out, you know, and yeah. uh, you know you know you're not feeling good, so he's gonna try to help you out. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't gonna throw. It was no way. He was like, give the kid a chance. I mean, yeah. he's telling you he needs to lay down for an hour, you know. And uh, and it, and the first AD, when he came around, I really was feeling a lot better. But thank yeah. God. But you're it, right, right? In Hollywood, they could just say, hey, you know, this kid's sick. Get someone yeah. else. It's early enough in the shoot, you know. And I have seen it. I'm going to say this. It was a famous actor I saw. This was one of the things that turned my gut inside out. I won't not even tell you what his name is. But I he's walking through his set, and some guy goes up to him. Shakes his hand. It was a co-star and says, I want to let you know how thrilled I am to be on your set. He goes, well, welcome. It's good to have you. He goes up to somebody else and he goes, get rid of that guy. He's too good. <laughs> wow. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, really? You know? He, that person talked to me. Please get rid of them. I don't need them around yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's some dealing with egos can be a very challenging thing. And you look, who knows? Maybe I... Maybe I was the same way. Like maybe even you know I would have ended up that way. You know because I get my temper is bad and <laughs> my, my fuse is short. So you never know. They, it, it, Hollywood can almost <clears throat> they can take somebody. How do I say this? Because we're all responsible for ourselves, right? They, you can enter into a situation where you could, they could take somebody and you might work a lot, but they can create a monster. Does that make sense? Like somebody that. Like John Eric Hexham, who I wrote about in my book, when I called him for the first when I got out to when I finally called him in California, he answered the phone and went, "What?" Yeah, I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, that's a, that's not the stressed. song I knew. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he said, "Oh, hey, oh my God, Paul from the bus," you know. And it was like different then, but it was like 
you hear it, you experience it, you see it. Somebody gets some success under their belt and they turn into somebody else. Yeah. And well, since you brought him up, um, we've done a couple of shows with him. Uh, we did Voyagers and also Cover Up. Um, yeah. And <laughs> we uh, we enjoyed both the shows. I mean, I remember watching Voyagers growing up. I wanted to be that little kid and because I, I was pretty close to the oh, same age. Me know. Yeah. 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 Me know. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, and he just, I don't know, I, you know, we, I think I've said it every time I'm on, we've talked about one of his shows. I think if he had not had that accident, he'd be at least mm-hmm. super huge in TV because he had everything. I mean, he had, oh, he yeah. had that voice, he had the looks he had, and he yep. seemed like a pretty decent guy too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just from what you'd know, but his house was right across the street, down the block. That's oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he used to get on the bus in the morning and, um, he is, uh, he was one of the night. it's like, you know, that expression, the world wasn't made for people like you, you yeah. know, that's the kind of guy he was. You just wanted to like, you know, he was just such a kind person, you know, I was so fortunate to have met him really. And when that happened to him, a couple of weeks after I spoke to him, it just, it just devastated me, you know. I said to myself, "How could this happen to such a good guy?" Right. You know. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it's yeah, it's that's <laughs> it was pretty terrible. Um, yeah. So, uh, so okay, well, back to okay. Well, one more thing about Knight Rider, whatever. I don't want to beat a dead horse yeah, that's here. Okay, no. Um, Hit me with it. <laughs> and I think you said in the book that someone had asked you the same question, but did you actually get to drive it at all? Or did you just get driven around in it? Okay, to be honest, I mean one of the one of the versions of it. I know there's multiple versions, you know. Yes, I absolutely got to drive in one of the versions. I'll put it that way. So yes, (laughs) I was I was dollied around. Remember when um uh, the scene where I say to him, "Listen, I'll make you a deal. Uh, You know, you let me drive this car and forget about it." Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Forget about the pay. You had the a payphone, I remember. Payphone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah that's person. right. <laughs> the next scene, when he, I'm in the driver's seat, and David comes around and says, you, all right, you think you can handle this? Something like that. That was the first shot after my throw-up. Oh, really? <laughs> so I'm, well, you'll see it. I'm white as a ghost. And I said, yeah, don't worry about it, right? And then that was the dolly pull of the car. So, like, I okay. was being right. That was that scene where I, I did that. Um and, I, and then, of course, being in the passenger seat with David, you know, I was in all the different shots of that. Right. Know? Right. And with yeah. and the voice of Kit, is that, was that, is that like post-production or do they do that during the okay. show? Do you recall? I'll put it to you this way. <laughs> you are doing your lines with Kit and you have a script girl off ten, 15 feet away from you and you hear things like, Merry Christmas, Tina. <laughs> so it's it's put in later on. William Daniels was not on set, nor was he pre-recorded. Okay. Yeah, good. and I think I read somewhere where he and David Hasselhoff didn't meet for like months and months into the show until like a Christmas party or something. I think, but sure. very well be. Yeah. Very well be. Everything's um, oh, Before we get off a night writer or whatever, I don't know, Mike, if you have more questions about it, but. I would be remiss to say so night right so we take you know some of our listeners will actually ask us episodes to do and uh one of our listeners actually 
brought that one to our attention because we were looking for a Christmas episode. And her name is yeah. Michelle. And uh, she's like, oh, yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, we mentioned later how, well, it wasn't really Christmassy because it was mostly about you. It was like a little Christmas at the right. beginning and the end. It, it right. seemed kind of like shoehorned in the Christmas season. And, yeah. uh, you know, she always like felt bad about that show. I'm like, no, the show was great. It just wasn't really that Christmassy. So I just wanted to, you know, special shout out to her because if it wasn't for her, we never would have met you. And we wouldn't have you on. So Thanks, thank you, Michelle. Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she'll appreciate that. So absolutely. You know, so, yeah, I mean, if anybody's interested, I mean, I definitely have a I've got a website, of course, and I've got a, uh, you know, I'm on, you could find me on Instagram and Twitter and all that social media stuff. So more than welcome to. Is all and of I, it, I, is, what are, are the handles just Paula Greco for all of them? Is that easy to find? Uh, at Twi- on, um, on Instagram, I am um, Paul, at Paul D. LaGreca. Paul D., okay. Yeah. We'll, and, we'll um, put all these, we'll put all these in our show notes too, but just sure. make sure and so on, people hear on it. Face- on Facebook, I'm a Paul LaGreca author, actor, and artist. Okay. Page. And then on um, Twitter, I'm at Paul LaGreca. Okay. That's easy enough. And if, if anybody wants to uh, learn more about the book, my landing page on my website is paulagreca.net. So they can just go there and they could, they could watch a video of the book, a little blurb, whatever the case might be. Gotcha. Very cool. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. cool. And, Did, uh, um, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> No. I, I have all, I have all kind. I could talk all day, but no, I know um, that's the, the, we don't know how much time you have. So just don't be afraid <laughs> to say worry. I need to go eat dinner, or you can make up some excuse if you want to leave. No. Don't worry about it. No. You won't hurt our feelings. No. <laughs> so after like after Night Rider, uh, well, well, first I want to say you know one thing you mentioned in the book it was I thought it was very humble of you how you know you, you felt really good about signing autographs and doing kind of like, you know, doing those things that, um, you know, a lot of people don't do, they just won't yeah. do, won't do things. And, you know, you seem very grateful and, and, you know, uh, I, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but, you know, it was I'm just humbled. kind of a feel good. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was a feel good. good to, it yeah. was a feel to read that and be like, yeah, you know, this, you know, Paul sounds like a really good guy. Like he's, he's grateful for everything Thank that he, he has. And, um, you know, and he, he gives back and, uh, so I, I really like that. Uh, but I was wondering after the show, did you ever in your career or in your life cross paths with David Hasselhoff ever again? Did you ever run into him anywhere? I'll be honest. I, I did it with David. I reconnected with Catherine Hickland, who was his wife. Um, oh, she's, Catherine is a friend of mine and uh, we're connected again. We were both invited to the Knight Rider, um, Southern Atlanta uh, Night Rider fans, you know, it's a, oh, okay. I think it's called the Southern Atlanta. Yes, you've heard of it, right? Uh, Mark's going to kill me because I was a guest last year and I'm not giving you the right <laughs> name of it. I, I feel bad. Um, at any rate, I was invited there and I got to uh, rehook up again with Catherine. It was great to see her. I had met her on the set back way back when. But David himself, no. You know, it's funny, he was in Manhattan, I think last year. And fans of Knight Rider were contacting me online, telling me he was going to be in Midtown Manhattan, and that he'll be with Kit, and that would I like to join them? To then I'd see David, see you know Tino now, you know, all that. <laughs> yeah. but but you know I it ended up that I didn't do that, you know I I decided not to do it, but I'm yeah. sure uh, one of these days I'll bump into him and uh, and thank him again for uh, the wonderful experience I had. That's great. 
And, and you know, I, I so yeah, I know you did the uh, interview for um, the audition for uh, Airwolf. Um, yeah, which I got. <laughs> which you got, and then yeah. you got Knight Rider. Yeah. Are there other other shows in that genre that you you know either sure. auditioned for or appeared in that we would be oh familiar God. with? So many. Oh my gosh, there <laughs> were. Problem was, I don't know what it was, but there was a handful of guys, and we all kind of looked alike. It was me, Ralph Macchio, <laughs> um, Chris Makepeace. Who I forgot what show he was on, Chris. Oh, I know. Doug, that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Doug Toby, who was, I believe, I want to say, I don't know anybody coming after him. Doug Toby was the original Tino that he got set. Oh, okay. Grant Hessler, who is now the partner of of um, what's his name, big movie star. Oh my God, what's wrong with me? George Clooney. He's his partner. Oh, okay. And his, oh. So. There was, a, there was this group of us, and we kind of all looked alike. And so, like, for, I was up for the Karate Kid. They said, no, let's, let's, see, let's see Paul for the best friend, since Ralph has more of a, of a name. But we looked too much alike, so they, would, they bumped me out of that. Then Fast Times at Ridgemont High, I think I mentioned that in, in the book. Um, yeah, yeah. I can reject that. But uh, there was a oh my god, so many TV shows. Facts of Life, um, <laughs> as one of the boyfriends, George Clooney got that. Of um, course. <laughs> yeah, I did get Whiz Kids. Um, yeah, which we was, saw that. Um, yes, with Matthew Labrado. Um, I got a recurring role on that, which was great. But they canceled us at the end of the season. It was so disappointing because it looked like I might have been heading to a series regular, and of course that's the, that's where you want to land. Right. You right. know. That's your guarantee. They give you, you know, you get your salary repeated the first time they show it. So it's like double down, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, so, there were all, all those shows back then. Everybody, you know, you just went from one casting bungalow to the next. And you could audition. Like back then you auditioned three, four, five times a week. It was fantastic. It's just so different now. Something came along right now for me. I would, of course, I would definitely want to be considered but it's just it's gotten to the competitive competitiveness has gotten to a point of where you just say to yourself, I mean, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> 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 it's, a, it's a young man's game, you know. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I could too. You know. Yeah, in, in, yeah. Go ahead. In the book, you mentioned like, the Wizard of Oz. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fascination with it, and I, I bring that up because it, it's always been my wife's favorite movie as well. Yeah, um, and I'm just, I'm I'm wondering. So you started out with an early fascination. You memorized basically the entire. I, I mean, everything about it, right? And yeah. then, then there was the uh, the sighting of the the bricks, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, there's some some cool stuff, some cool things tied together. Do you still feel like do you still have a, a fascination with that today? With the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, you know, I think I think the Wizard of Oz. No, I really don't. It's always it'll always be one of my favorite movies. But you got to understand, as a kid, you know, I kind of was the I was the circle in the square a little bit. Um, I mean, I don't want to. I was not a victim by any means, but I certainly I marched to the tune of a different drummer, and in the Bronx in the nineteen sixties <laughs> and seventies, you know. It was like, what the hell is he doing, this kid? You know, where, where did this one come from? You know, 
and I had, and, I, and so I hid and I created on my own and I liked being alone because nobody could disturb me. So I would go behind my mother's china cabinet and sit there and look at books and look at record albums and my fantasies existed within those things. If I put this album on a record player, I get to go to a place called Oz and and my and it pulled my at my heartstrings because it was a sad story. You know, I felt bad for the Tin Man, the Lion, and the Scarecrow after she left. What were they going to do? You know, and I cried over these things as a kid. Like, my heart broke from them. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm nuts. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I think so, and, and yeah. there was a lot of, I, and we had this, not really the same experience, but with The Wizard of Oz, like you were talking about with your family. I remember, you know, around the holidays, you know, my cousins would always come into town, and that's one of the things we'd always do. We'd sit in front of the TV because Wizard of Oz was coming on, and You'd spend the whole, I mean, that was, yeah. seemed like an eternal, eternally long movie. I don't know how long it is, but as a kid, it's a long time to yeah. sit through. But, uh, um, but yeah, no, it definitely had a, you know, I think for everyone yeah. it, when you're a little, back, it's so, yeah. just back a fascinating we movie. Have, we didn't have DVDs. We didn't have, no. you know, on demand. <laughs> you waited, you waited. Right. Your favorite right. movie was coming on. And then your mother and father shut the lights off. The family got together. You made popcorn. And it was tonight. The Wizard of Oz is on, you right? Know? Yeah. And it, an event. Yeah, you wait a year for that, you know. You wait <laughs> yeah, a whole exactly. year. I used to play sick from school so that I could sit in front of the TV to wait for the commercial to come on. That's <laughs> how. That's how into. That's how my heart was so into the Hollywood thing as a kid. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I could see. And then yeah, you did your what tap dance and what, your dancing lessons. You started yeah. tap right, and then yeah. Was it the ballet one where they said you're starting too late, basically? Is that the one? That yeah. You... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I started too late. My posture was poor. You know, there, were, there was drugs in my family. Dad was dealing with my brother. and Right. You know, they used to say to me, doesn't your father correct your posture? And I'd be like, are you kidding me? Like, this poor man's looking for my brother on the streets. He doesn't care if I'm standing up straight today. Right. 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 Yeah, and plus there were, what, yeah, and you 10 came of from you. A large so. Yeah. Yeah, I have nine brothers and sisters. I mean, it was... It was um, you know, for as a creative kid, you, you know, you kind of just go into your own world. And, uh, and when I, like I said, The Wizard of Oz, well, what did that lead me to? Well, of course, you're watching The Wizard of Oz, MGM. Yeah. You know, you go to the, you go to the, you go to the drugstore with your mother and you see magazines on the wall with pictures of movie stars on magazines back then. That we had movie magazines. Then I'd be like, Mommy, buy me this. Look, look who's on the cover, you know. And I read about every star in Hollywood. I knew. Who was married to who? What studio? Who was under contract to MGM, Columbia, Warner's? I had it down, and it was, and I write, and I wrote to the studios as a kid. Please send me to Hollywood. Please try me. You know, I wish I still had those letters. Right. And then when they come yeah. to be ten years old and get a letter from MGM, yeah. and yeah. said, "Thank you." How cool for is that? Oh my God! I'm, you know, I think yeah. cre I created it. I created my own reality in a sense. You know, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, when you, and you have like kids that do that all the time, right? You have kids that write to baseball players or football players, right? Or yeah. I, one thing we used to do as a kid, I don't know why, we'd always write a letter to the president and get like a, you get like a eight by 10 picture oh with them. <laughs> you yeah. Know, same idea. I never, I never, I, got never, I was never that. trying to get a job though, because I don't, I don't think that would have worked. <laughs> well, back then, if you bought like a magazine, like um, 16 magazine I was in, um, remember those teeny bopper magazines? Right. Uh -huh. yeah. Like, yeah, everybody under everybody's picture, it said, if you would like a picture, 
oh, photograph. Yeah. You, know, you know, that's what it was back then. You could always write to your favorite star, you know? That's cool. Yeah. So did you have yeah. to sit there and sign a stack of pictures every once in a while so you could send them off? Yeah, no, I got I, – the fan, all my fan mail went to my manager at the time, Shirley Grant. So she used to pile it up for me. And then I always answered every letter I've ever gotten. Oh, I never, nice. Except for one <laughs> – Oh, I'm sure there. Something creepy, okay? Put uh, it that way. I am sure that yes, as a teenage boy, you would or young. Well, actually, maybe not necessarily teen, but young boy, a young man would definitely get some. I had to show that letter to daddy and mommy to be make sure they knew. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, and it seems like you know, uh, based on what I read of the book, you definitely had a good head about you. You seem like you were always there for your friends and. You know, and especially in Hollywood, like you were saying, people yeah. would need that kind of support system, right? I mean, and it yeah. seems like that's probably, you know, obviously you already had your religious upbringing and your religious experience that you talked about. And I think that's, you know, maybe is that how that led you out then into leave Hollywood to go and to do that because of all that you had inside you already? Yeah, well, I think it was always there. <clears throat> I went on a spiritual search while I was out there. Um, I've always been inclined to spirituality, religiosity, you know, things that ask the bigger questions. And uh, I got involved, you know, I wasn't so, quote unquote, Catholic at the time. I mean, I'm a practicing Catholic now, but I mean, back then I wasn't. I mean, I was, but I dove into what we call, you know, spirituality. Back then, the, the, the buzzwords were the, it was the New Age movement, right? Right. So I go to this bookstore called the Bodhi Tree. And they had sections exclusively dedicated to different religions of the world. Or this was the Catholic section. This was the Jewish section. This was the Hindus. This wall is all for life after death. This wall is ESP. (laughs) I was fascinated by this. And, you know, this this is the section for the ancient continent of Lemuria, which sunk, you know, which is now where California... California is the remnant of Lemuria. I was, I was into all that, and that's when I met Demi Moore. And you know, we were all we were all diving into this these bigger questions. And I became I started to practice Buddhism for a while, or chanting and stuff, which kind of didn't, at the end of the day kind of you know didn't work out for me. But it it, it I respect it. But um, but I've been on I was on a spiritual journey, and I started to do volunteer work. And the volunteer work pushed some kind of button in me to do more. And it became a mirror against the life I was living. Does that make sense? Yeah. And not that I was very self-indulgent. Don't get me wrong. I really I was a, I was a good kid. But um, I wanted more. I wanted more of that stuff. And so then I, I went to, a, to 20th Century Fox, to a UNICEF uh, event that they were having and I was so moved by the presentation that Valerie Harper may she rest in peace was running it and I went up to her afterwards and I said to her Val is there something more that I can do and she said you just got to town you got to be a good actor study craft (laughs) don't do anything crazy you got to stay right here so I said no no you don't get it I want to do something right away I'm really into this she goes you know, again, just calm down. She goes, you know what, Dennis Weaver and I just started a great group. It's called Life, L-I-F-E. Life, love is feeding everyone. She said, 
we stand outside supermarkets and we ask people to buy a can of tuna on the way in. <laughs> and, then we, and then we distribute it to the poor. I'm like, okay. She goes, call the office tomorrow. Tell them I sent you. And, and that's what kind of happened. I started doing volunteer work. And then, and then John died. And then John Eric Hexham died. And then I had a couple of bad run-ins with, with friends and actors. It was very, Los Angeles can be very shallow. Okay. No, it's, a sure. lonely, it's a lonely town. It's very spread out. Like in Manhattan, you know, I can you could leave your apartment and go to the street and you're surrounded by hundreds of people. You can go to the bar in the corner and say hi to Mac at the end and have a good conversation about the Mets. With, with, in L.A., it's just not like that. And so the loneliness and the, the very deep and I was losing my little boy luck. And so casting became a little bit more of a challenge. And so I began just to say, you know, shit, is this worth it? Maybe I could do this with my family around me because this loneliness kind of stinks. And then yeah. one morning I just made that decision in the shower. It's in the book that what had happened there. And I, I called my agent and said, I'm sorry, but I'm going home. She's like, honey, are you out of your mind? Studios <laughs> <laughs> are all watching you. You've done all this work. I said, thank you. I appreciate it. But this feels more right. And so I made the change. Yeah. And then Mother Teresa steps in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't play. I go, I go right to the Saints, guys. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. I can't deny that, you know. I mean. <laughs> oh, and she was great. And, and, you know, you, you talk in the book about your brother, and I know, you know, the struggle, the battle he had with, with drugs. And, you know, um, I, it sounds like that played a lot into your life and your decisions and the things you yeah. did and the way you behaved and uh, yeah. choices you made. And so, it, again, so at the beginning, I talked about if it feels like you kind of had two callings, but it feels like there were really three three components to your life that kind of weave together to, um, you know, really make up who you are. Mm-hmm. In the book, you you, you kind of talk about, I, I guess the best way to say it is like making peace within yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that's, is is that a... A one-time thing like you, you do that and you're now you've achieved peace no. with yourself or is that something you have to work at from from you know that point forward to, to continue mm-hmm. doing listen when you grow up with an addict or an alcoholic in your family or even if you yourself are an addict the journey to the journey of recovery is a lifelong process you the, the medicine for the alcoholic is the meeting every day you know, for somebody in Al-Anon or Narconon who are dealing with somebody in their family who's addicted, you need that support. You need to be aware of your own behaviors every day. You know, I need to say to myself, am I doing this to people please this person? What are my needs right now? Because I forget what I need. I used to forget to eat when I was younger. I used to forget, you know, I used to wait until I knew my parents were okay before I could sleep properly that night. If my father went out to look for my brother on the streets, I begged him to take me with him so that I could monitor him in the car. And and dad, you know, maybe he shouldn't have, but he took me with him in the car, you know? So it's a, it's, it's a journey. At the end of the book, I get to this place where, you know, you kind of say to yourself, I think I've been looking for a resting place because of Charlie, I've been looking for peace. So if I leave home and go to Hollywood, there's my bliss. But you find out that it's not your bliss. 
well, let me go to Mother Teresa and work with the poorest of the poor. That, you know, I know that if I go there, I've kind of, I've reached it. How, how much better can you get than that? But that had work in it too. Work that, you know, the bliss doesn't come right away there. That's for the afterlife, right? And so you say, well, it's not there. And you go home and you have a realization. And the realization is bloom where you're planted. God is within. Happiness is a choice. Happiness is a choice we have to make every day. Faith doesn't mean that I walk out of my home and everything is, oh, I have faith. Everything's great in my life. No, 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 no. Faith just means you have the tool to get through impossible situations. And then that makes everything okay. Because somehow, some way, you know that everything's going to be all right. And it's, it's, it's a process. And for some people, you know, for me, I do go to mass. I, I do those things for me personally. That's my history. It's my DNA. It works for me. It doesn't work for everybody. So whatever anybody does in their own way, God is a very personal thing. And the first step in the program is, or one of the steps in the program is, um, I turn my life and my will over to the care of God as I understand him to be. And if God for you is, is the chair in this room, well, that's what it is. <laughs> you know, so right, you can't right. help me turning it over. So, yeah. Great. Did that answer your question? Kind of long-winded. It, it, <laughs> no, it did. You know, it's, it's, yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Now, I, I know you, you did end up, you know, eventually leaving there too, but now are you still... Uh, I'm assuming you're still, obviously, like you said, church Are you still involved with uh, the church directly or just not? Yeah, or, I, would say, I mean, yeah, how, I mean you mean, right. like, do I volunteer and do things and stuff like that? Or anything, or, yeah, I was, just wasn't sure. I, I've got to get better at that again. It's one of my uh, one of my resolutions. And, you know, COVID-19, as horrible That's as true. it was, yeah. there's, a, there's a positive side to it. And that positive side was it made me take a look again at some of the things I've let go to the wayside. So I, I could be a little bit better at some of the things I want to do and that I know I have the capacity to do. The sisters are in New York. I have not been down there in a while. I do need to uh, to visit with them again. And um, and look, it doesn't have to be with the sisters. You know, I, I may not be able to physically be there right now because I'm involved in so many things in New York, but I can certainly help in other ways if that's writing a check or supporting somebody who's doing a marathon, whatever the case might be. Right. But we always have to be aware of how do we give back. Right, right. right. And are, are you doing anything in, you know, in the, the world of acting these days? Are you doing anything in New York or Hollywood or? Another COVID, another COVID thing. <laughs> my, my agent called me from California and uh, he said, look, they're doing auditions from home now and you have to be able to self-tape. And they're even shooting scenes. You, you would shoot your scene that sends you the equipment, and you'll shoot your scene in your home. Oh, wow. I don't, so I said, so what you're saying basically is I don't have to be in L.A. right now. He goes, exactly. And I said, sign me up. <laughs> right. right. I had an audition last week for a movie. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So, look, I leave myself open to the arts. I mean, I'm a painter. I write. And I am an actor. This year, it's acting beautiful. If next year, it's another book, beautiful. So <laughs> I just I roll with it, man. You know, life is an adventure. You know, I take it one day at a time. It's all good, you know? It, it, you know it, speaking of which, uh, another book. So you, 
in your bucket, you know, it took us through, you know, the first, I don't know, I'm going to five years, roughly yeah. the first half of your life, right? Or the, yeah. so far, not saying this, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> not looking at anything right here, but, um, it, you know, it sounds like, you know, maybe there's more, more to your story, right? From, from age rough 25 on, you know, you have yet to tell, it would be, uh, yeah. be yeah. fascinating to hear the rest of that story. So. If that book does come out, I'd love to read it. Thank you. If, if there is another book, that's the book that has to be, has to be fiction. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you, you do grow up and you do experience things and you do, you know, you dip your feet into the, into the, into the deep waters. And uh, like I said, even though you have faith, it doesn't mean that you're exempt from life's experiences. So, uh, it was a, it was an, other, an an interesting other twenty five years. Put it that way. <laughs> we shall see. That's, that's fair. That's a fair statement. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I I think that's about it. You know, it's you know, it's been an hour. We've taken up plenty much of your time. Um, and we really, really, really appreciate you coming on. It's been great. Um, but uh, again, guys, uh, the book is the boy behind the china cabinet. Check it out on Amazon. Um. It's it's either going to be pre-order or ready to get for you, so you can get it uh, immediately after this. Um, you know, we can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, like I said, it's we wanted you since we saw your episode and you actually thank responded you. to us. So we appreciate that. Um, thank you. And you know, the book was great. Uh, you know, we I we wish you nothing but the success. You know, right. and if oh, and if you do get that part you're talking about, you know, you got to let us know. Put it up on Twitter. I, so will. You. <laughs> I, I definitely will. I, I appreciate you both, and thank you for reaching out. And uh, and Tuesday, the 23rd of June, is when the book is out. So um, thank you for thank you for having me at, at this particular juncture in my life. And um, you guys rock, man. So thank you. Thanks a lot. No, you rock as well, and thank you very much. Right. And we'll, All right. we'll we'll talk to you later. We'll be in touch. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. You will. You too. Bye. That's it for this episode of I Used to Watch This. Visit us at IUsedToWatchThis.com, Facebook.com slash IUsedToWatchThis, Twitter at IUsedTheNumber2WatchThis, and Instagram.com slash IUsedToWatchThis. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever your favorite podcasts are available. Thanks for listening.